again. I want to welcome everyone to uh, uh, Chatham Community Church. Really glad that you are here for just a great day of celebration. I've mostly dried out at this point, which is great. And uh, uh, again, especially welcome to those of you who are friends and family of folks who got baptized. What a great, great day. This is week three of our series called uh, Living Supernaturally. We're spending 2023, uh, the start of 2023, talking about how do we live the life that God designed for us to Live. And if you're just joining us, week one, we looked at what was likely the first recorded teaching of Jesus. And in that teaching, he said he'd been sent to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Wouldn't that be a great description of your 2023? Wouldn't it be great if 2023 was the year of the Lord's favor in your own life? He said he'd been anointed to live a supernatural life, but then he described it. It was very, very earthy, like sight to the blind, set prisoners free, declare good news to the poor. It's like the way that Jesus lived, there's this natural life and the supernatural life, and they've been torn apart, but they were never supposed to be torn apart. They're supposed to be integrated. They're supposed to actually work together, come together. And what Jesus is doing everywhere he goes is he's reintegrating these two realities that should have never been torn apart. He's like a zipper, bringing these things together that actually fit together, were made to go together, but actually have been separated. And then he gives us that same Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go live supernaturally. I want you to go be a zipper, be a person who integrates and, and brings the power of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God to bear to all kinds of situations. Just like Jesus said, he, everywhere he goes, he's bringing that power to heal broken hearts, broken minds, broken bodies. He's zipping up things and making them whole again. See, living supernaturally is just reintegrating the life and resources of God to bring those resources into our own lives and into the world. That's the mercy of God, the grace of God, the power of God, bring, bring, making it sort of bringing it to bear in these situations. Now, of course, that starts with our own internal worlds, right? It starts with us receiving God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. It heals our wounds and it puts our pieces together again and it redirects our paths sometimes. But there's also uh, a go to this, right? There's a go to this, to go out into the world wherever God puts you, where God sends you, to be an instrument of healing and restoration, to bring, uh, bring God's power and grace to your extended family, to your school, to your workplace, to government, to the cities and the countries and nations and neighborhoods, even to HOA listservs, even there. We're invited to be instruments of God's grace and healing and mercy. Today we're gonna to talk about what does it mean for us to be agents who go? How do we get supernatural guidance? How do we get supernatural direction? How do we know where we are to go? Because in different times in our lives, we're all wrestling with the question, uh, what am I supposed to be about, right? What do, I want, what do you wanna do when you grow up is like a question you get when you're a kid, right? And if you're a teenager, you're asking, what do I like to do? What am I good at? And then in your 20s, you're like, okay, let me go start out on a career, maybe get married, maybe have kids and you're answering the question, what's my meaning? What's my purpose? What am I here for? And then some of us hit points in our 40s or early 50s where we start to ask the question, hey, I answered the question of what my life was about in my 20s. Do I still like that answer now? Do I still like being on that path now? And we wrestle with questions of meaning and purpose all over again. And then when some of us get to retirement and we ask the question again, what's my meaning? What's my purpose? If it's not work-related, what am I about? Those questions, those hungers, those longings for meaning and purpose, they kind of iterate in different fashions, in different forms, at different points in the course of our lives. And here's the thing. For every other hunger you have, there's a corresponding reality that satiates, that fits that hunger. We get thirsty, right? That's good. You were made for water. You need water. Water exists. You need water to survive. You get hangry. Some of you get hangrier than others. 
Food exists. You need food to survive. There's this thing, this corresponding reality that you should eat to consume to, to sort of satiate that hunger in a healthy way. You have a hunger for meaning and for purpose. What if living supernaturally is exactly what that hunger was designed for? And what if the only way we finally ultimately sort of have peace over kind of who we are, what we're about, is if we anchor ourselves in this much larger reality, this much larger life of God and with God? What if, the, what if the hunger for meaning and purpose that we all have at different stages of our lives is only met when we finally kind of find our spots in God's supernatural life? Mostly that means sort of just quietly, securely knowing I'm exactly where I should be doing exactly what I should be doing. Isn't that a great feeling when you're in that spot of flow? Just like, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm here. I'm all about it. But sometimes, sometimes in order for us to access that life, to sort of experience that or to, to know the meaning and purpose why God's put us on this earth, sometimes there's a go somewhere. Sometimes there's a, a prompt to get moving, to go to a different place, to take on a different kind of project or different kind of work. And so the question is, how do we know? How do we hear? How do we sense what sort of God is guiding us to do? Today we're going to ask the question, how do we get supernatural guidance? By, by supernatural, I just mean natural and supernatural coming together. How do we hear the voice of God? How do we sort of follow the voice of God? And where do we hear God's go and God's know? And how does that all play out in our lives? We're going to look at one story where it gets played out in a really particular practical way. And then we're going to zoom out. I'm going to give you five. I'm going to give you five different ways that kind of God sort of gives us guidance and give that to you so that you can pray about it, seek it, look for it, ask God to give it to you, when, especially when you're in places where you're wrestling with what does God want me to do and where should I go and what should I be about? So we're going to start in Acts chapter 8 today, a little bit of background. Acts is the story, what happens after Jesus' death, resurrection, goes back to heaven. There's a small group of about 120 disciples who, uh, who kick off a church that's, that cha has changed the world. But for the first couple of years, they're in Jerusalem, which is kind of safer and more comfortable for almost all of them. But then persecution breaks out. And so they start to scatter because what Jesus had promised and what Jesus had commanded was that they would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Jerusalem is just a little too comfortable for them. And so they start to scatter in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, what we see is that God is doing something where they can't quite get there to the ends of the earth. So what God does in his kindness is bring the ends of the earth to them. And in Acts 8, we get a story of a man named Philip who gets a very clear direction. Not quite to the ends of the earth, but it's still a step for him that he has to take. Acts 8, verse 26, starts like this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Have you ever known something was not the right thing to do, but you did it anyway? Like you knew that second bowl of ice cream was not what you needed, but you went ahead and ate the second bowl of ice cream anyway. Like you knew you should get up early in the morning and do some exercise, but you hit the snooze bar and the snooze bar and the snooze bar until someone kicked you finally out of bed. Have you ever known God wanted you to do something or not do something, but you didn't do it or did it anyway? Philip gets a really clear call from an angel for crying out loud. But let's just note that throughout the scriptures, people get directions from angels that they don't always respond quickly to. Sometimes they go the opposite direction. Sometimes they just drag their feet. So Philip gets direction from an angel, but it's also very, very vague. Go that way. And if I was Philip, if this is like angel talking to Alex, my, my next word would have been but in my story. But Alex has some questions. I got a full calendar. What am I supposed to do with the rest of my day? 
but what's down there waiting for me? Why do I need to go there? It's a desert, dry, hot, dusty road. Do I need to be ready for anything? And most importantly, will I be home in time for dinner? I would have had all kinds of questions. I would have asked for more details. The next word of the story would have been, but Alex had some questions. And this is why it's so, so important what Philip does. Philip gets a command from God. You know what he does? The next word is not but, but so. So he goes. Philip gets a clear go. Not many details. But he doesn't ask any questions. He says, if that's the direction God wants me to go, I will go and trust that as I go, he's going to make it clear. See, one key to living the supernatural life is replacing the but in your story with the so in your story. One clear part of the supernatural life and getting supernatural guidance is being open to God's guidance such that when you get a clear command or direction from God, you're not asking a bunch of questions. You're not moving in the opposite direction. It's not a but, but a so. Because here's the thing. Any place where God says go or God says no is an invitation to obedience that strengthens you in living supernaturally. Any time where God says go or God says no, is an invitation to obedience that strengthens you in living supernatural life. That is, oftentimes, that go or that no is a gateway to meeting God in new ways. It's gonna be like that for Philip. He's gonna meet God in new ways. God's gonna do things he can't expect or imagine or plan for. And the way he experiences it is he hears God's go and he goes. Obedience to God's command, to his go or to his no, roots us in the supernatural life. It opens us up to God's power. It puts us in places where we can meet God, maybe in unexpected or surprising ways. Anytime God says go or God says no, it's an invitation to step deeper into the supernatural life. The only way that Philip experiences God's supernatural crazy thing he's gonna do here in just a few minutes is if he's willing to go and be a part of it. My friends, at some of the most important points and forks in the road in your life, you're going to have to decide, am I going to follow God's go or God's no, or am I going to go my own way? Am I going to be willing to step into the invitation, into the supernatural life, into God's presence, into God's mercy, into God, what God might be up to in my life or in the world, or am I going to go my own way? You sewing together a bunch of sows instead of a bunch of buts in your story could make all the difference in the world. Can you look back over your life? Can you look back over your story, especially those of you who have been Christians for a good chunk of your life? Can you look back over your story and see places where God gave you a command or direction and you said this next part of your story was, so you did exactly what God asked you to do. Can you see where you've done that? And can you see the outcomes, the fruit of that? And can you look back over your life where God gave you some sort of a command, some sort of a direction, or you just knew this was not what God wanted you to do, but you did it anyway? And can you see the fruit or outcome of that? in your life. And if you're here today and you're wrestling with it, you've got a go or a no that you're wrestling with, we're so, so glad that you're here. So, so glad that you're here. Listen, I wanna tell you, you will never regret a Godward so in your life. You will never regret a Godward so. The type of decision that says, yes, if God says this, I'm gonna make that decision, even if it's hard, even if there's sacrifices, even if there's challenges, you will never regret a Godward so. And every invitation to obedience, Every go, every no is an invitation to living deeper, being strengthened in the supernatural life. God gives Philip very clear, but very, uh, very direct, but very unclear, not many details of, of instructions. Philip goes, here's what's waiting for him as he goes. Verse 27, so he started out. 
On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. So you got a man, very important. He's, a, he's in the, uh, kind of the ministry, uh, kind of the cabinet of the queen of the Ethiopians. The disciple, which, is, which actually is modern day Sudan, okay? So it's not quite Ethiopian today, but it's close. And the disciples have a mandate, go to the ends of the earth. They have not yet left Jerusalem. Now Sudan is not quite the ends of the earth from Jerusalem, but it's on the way there. So God goes to work first, as he so often does. This man was likely what the Jews called a God-fearer. These are people who were not ethnically Jewish, but they converted to Judaism or adopted the Jewish practices. In the temple, there was a spot called the Court of the Gentiles where these people could come and worship and celebrate. So this man comes all the way up from modern-day Sudan to Jerusalem. I Google mapped it. There's Google Maps right there. Google Maps tells me 58, 57-hour car ride from Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, to Jerusalem. That's a car ride from Khartoum to Jerusalem. 57 hours, pack some snacks, and look out for that construction zone right there in Aswa, Egypt. I hear that's a bear, okay? That, that's, I hear that, that's terrible traffic there in that spot. 57 hours, and in case you're wondering, a chariot is a longer trip than a car. It takes longer to get there, right? Slower than a car, and it's also pulled by oxen, likely, who are strong, but very, very slow. That's why Philip can run up and catch up to this thing, this guy has traveled for weeks and weeks, likely to come to a pilgrim festival there in Jerusalem. He's on his way home, on this road. That's why the spirit says to Philip, go to that road. I want you to meet this guy. And to make sure Philip doesn't miss it, like the guy, he sees the chariot and the spirit says, again, another go. Philip acts on two different goes from the spirit. He is faithful. He's willing to kind of show up and see what God's up to. And that gives him the courage to kind of come trotting alongside the stranger's chariot, which is a little bit awkward, but he's willing to do it, right? If that's what the Spirit wants him to do, he's going to do it. And Philip's obedience positions him for the supernatural life. Philip's obedience strengthens him to meet the Lord, to, to be strong in his words, strong in his love. He is a willing participant in what God's up to as he's working supernaturally in this man's Life, Because any place we say yes to God's invitation to obedience, it positions us to meet the Lord. Anytime you obey God, you walk in that direction, you discover God got there first. Every time you go in the Godward direction, his grace, his mercy is there waiting for you. And it shouldn't be any surprise that the same God that's working on Philip is also at work on the Ethiopian eunuch. He's sitting there reading the scripture for crying out loud. Having come back from Jerusalem, worshiping this same God. Philip obeys God. God got there first. Philip opens with a question, and here's how the rest of the conversation unfolds. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep, he was like a sheep to the slaughter, led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns till he reached Caesarea. Well, many years ago, I was meeting with a passionate, Jesus-loving college student named Jeff Salisbury. Jeff Salisbury was a leader in our campus ministry, loved the Lord, loved scripture, and he was reading Acts. He was reading through these book of Acts, and he sits me down. He says, Alex, we have a problem. I'm like, what's our problem? What's your problem? He said, no, here's the problem. The problem is we should be seeing these miracles. Why don't we see more miracles? This is what's happening. Spirit's happening. How come we're not seeing more miracles on campus in our lives right here, right now? And I said to him, what I think was true. I said, listen, those stories are written down because they're miracles, right? Because like everyday Christians maybe didn't have these kinds of crazy things happening to them all the time. The stories are written down so that we might know kind of what was happening and, and particularly the power of Jesus and the resurrected power that he had to change the world. And, a couple, and like here, 15, 20 years later, I still think that's true. I still think that those miracles are recorded so that we might know kind of how the church got started, what Jesus was up to, and the power that Jesus' disciples had in the beginning. But I also think I might have done Jeff Salisbury a disservice. I wonder if I should have said, let's give it a shot. Let's read every miracle we can find in the New Testament. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's follow every go and every no in the scripture. Let's follow every go, every no we get from the Holy Spirit. And what if, what if, what if, what if Jesus might want to release something into our campus life, into the, into the community that we can't ask or imagine? What if God wants to do something supernatural through us? Maybe we should give it a shot. Maybe we should have given it, I don't know, seven days? That's a holy number. Seven days to give it a shot to see if God might move, do something unusual. I want to I invite us to be a community that gives it a shot. See what the Holy Spirit might do. I'm asking that the Lord might stir up, bubble up new gifts, new, new, new passions, new callings right here in our church community that we can't ask or imagine that 2023 might be the year of the Lord's favor in our community in new ways just because we're more open to living supernaturally. For some of you, it's going to start with hearing a go or a no. That's where it's going to start. And for some of you, living supernaturally in 2023 is going to start with, are you willing to say yes to God's go or God's no? Because for, that, for many of us, that's going to be the gateway to experiencing God's grace, God's mercy, God's power in new kinds of ways. Philip hears the go with just partial information. He goes on partial information, gets a second go on partial, uh, uh, to kind of fill in the uh, calling on his life. No surprise, God got there first. He's at work in this man. He baptizes this man. The spirit whisks him away. This man goes on his way back to Ethiopia. The church today in Africa traces its roots back to this story. And the only reason why the story happened was because Philip was willing to say yes to God's call to go. And he launched a church that is still standing 2,000 years later because God in his grace, when he invites us to live supernaturally, he bears fruit that will last. And because God's yes 
and God's no are so crucial to you and I experiencing supernatural life. I'm not saying it's gonna look like this. No telling what it might look like. I want us to camp out and pivot from the story. I wanna give you five ways that God gives us direction. What are some five ways that you might hear God's yes and God's no? What are five ways that you might hear his go or his no that you might respond to this year that might open you up to God's supernatural life, that might open you up to the spirit in new and different kinds of ways. I'm gonna give you five ways that you can experience this that's available to all of us. And I wanna invite us to be praying for these things, asking for these things. Lord, would you give me these directions? I'm open to hearing what you would say. And are you open? And that means you gotta be open to it, right? That means, hey God, when you give me a go or no, I'm telling you yes before I even know what it is. Are you willing to give God a yes before you even know what his go or no might be? Five ways I wanna invite you to look for, pray for, as we talk about living supernatural, receiving supernatural guidance. First one is this, guidance of scripture in general. 90% of life decisions already covered by the go or the no we have in scripture, right? There's already wisdom mapped out in scripture. Don't have to ask for it, don't have to wrestle with it. Here are some goes. Go love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go love your neighbor as yourself. Go treat others like you'd like to be treated. Go and serve, especially the least of these, the poorest of the poor, because God has a bias toward caring for the poor, the downtrodden. There's all kinds of goes in the scripture. And then there's plenty of no's that are important as well. Don't murder. You guys got that? Don't lie. A little harder. No to gossip. How about that one? How about flee sexual immorality? All kinds of goes, all kinds of no's, already mapped out. You don't have to wrestle for it. You're not listening for the spirit to give you a voice or a boom. You're not looking for cloud formations in the sky. 90% of your life already covered. Now, the other 10% is super important. But 90% of your, of your life already covered in the wisdom and direction, the go and the no, already laid out for us in Scripture. There's also commands and goes for spiritual practices, right? Pray baptized, which we did today, all these sort of steps to stepping into living supernaturally. If you want to live a supernatural life, pay attention to the goes and the no's of Scripture and do them as faithfully and as best as you can. Second way, we get supernatural guidance. That is a word in season. That's a specific passage or a, that, that answers a question, something you're wrestling with, gives you some direction, or a, a passage that might be repeating over and over and over again in the course of your life. Many years ago, I was uh, doing campus ministry, working with college students on campus, working with one group of students, right? 300 students, that's actually, that was 150 students at that point. And uh, we were like, I was meeting with them like small groups, one-on-one, twos, I was doing some teaching like this. And I got invited to take a promotion. The promotion would be supervising multiple campuses, maybe like six or seven campuses, supervising six or seven campus ministers who were doing what I was doing. I was co I'd be coaching them and mentoring them. So it was a big change, a big job, a different kind of promotion. And I spent a whole day praying about it, asking God if he wanted me to take this position. The passage I was reading, the scripture I was reading was 1 Corinthians. It was just kind of where I was in my daily readings with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, I came across this passage on that day when I did that retreat. I still remember where I was and what it said. The, the, the passage said this, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? And in that moment, I knew exactly then I should pass on the promotion because God wanted me to work on my trumpet sounding skills that I needed to continue to grow in teaching, just like this. That I needed to continue to grow in sitting down with twos and threes and explaining what it meant to follow Jesus to non-Christians and to Christians. I needed to continue to work on my trumpet sounding skills and gifts, not do middle management stuff, which was fine and good, but it wasn't the same thing. And so God was calling me to work on my trumpet sounding skills, so I said no to a promotion because a scripture gave me the word in season on that day that I needed to make that decision.
Sometimes God will give you some scripture. That's just like, hey, you're asking for direction, you're looking for guidance, or you're not asking for direction, not asking for guidance. You just get a scripture, you're just like, hey, I need to do something with this. Other times, you get a word in season where the same scripture comes up over and over and over again, right? Now, you need to be in kind of somewhat Christian circles for this to happen, but sometimes, like, you'll get a passage that just keeps kind of bugging you. It keeps coming up in multiple, like, spots, multiple locations. We've got a passage of scripture we're going to look at in a couple of weeks. It's kind of obscure. I've never touched on it. I've never talked about it. I've never taught on it before, but it's come up two or three or four times in the last month since we sort of picked this passage to preach on. I think we're doing it next week. And so I'm sitting in that passage a little bit more going, okay, God, what are you doing here? Like, are you, is there a word for me? Is there something I need to listen to, pay more attention to? Because this keeps coming up over and over and over again. Sometimes when we're looking for supernatural guidance, we'll get a word in season from the scriptures, either on this individually or it gets repeated over and over and over again. Pay attention to what's coming up and meditate on it, pray on it, and see what God might, doing, might be doing. A third way that we get supernatural guidance is this. Circumstances, right? Open and closed doors ordained by God that we're called to respond to faithfully. About 13 years ago or so, I was in a early midlife crisis or late quarter-life crisis. I'm not sure what it was. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do kind of professionally and next. And I, uh, I'd thrown my name in the hat for a couple different church jobs, but I had zero church experience at all, like none whatsoever. So all those churches very wisely said, no, you have no idea what you're doing. Okay, fair. But in 2011, Chatham Community Church was looking for a new pastor. And I knew the interim who was here at Chatham Community Church. And he was going out of town, Labor Day, 2011, said, hey, would you come in and fill in for me while I'm out of town? I'm like, sure, I would be glad to. I came, I loved it. People liked me enough, well enough. I had a conversation with the search team. And by June 2012, they more wisely said yes to me coming to Chatham Community Church. I'd experienced multiple closed doors along the way, but here was the go for Chatham Community Church and for me that started June 2012, has continued ever since. And the story we just read God, Phillips, God stations Philip, sets, sets Philip up to meet a guy who's already reading the Bible for crying out loud. Go talk to him. Sometimes God ordains circumstances to open and close doors. But here's the thing. Are you willing to follow? Because sometimes God opens a door that you don't want him to open. Thank you very much. God, can I take door number two? Can I pass on that one? And so the question is, will you walk through the open door that he puts in front of you or will you pass on it? Or sometimes God closes a door, slams a door shut that you actually really, really, really wanted to go through. And are you willing to submit to that as well and say, okay, God, if that's not what you have for me, I'm willing to let go of that dream to follow your call on my life. Circumstances. God ordains, opens and closes doors. Are you willing to respond faithfully to what he's doing as he communicates his supernatural guidance in your own life? Four, promptings. Let's talk about this. Words, nudges, dreams, conversations with people, divine appointments, meetings with new people. Like, oh my gosh, here's somebody who's got something that seems to be exactly what I'm looking for. Opens up new possibilities. Several years ago, I was on a Zoom call. Remember Zoom calls? Oh yeah, lovely. Zoom call all day long. But I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of people that I knew, some of whom I knew were going to be there, but I knew some guests were joining us that were part of this, part of this larger uh, organization that I was meeting with. And I didn't know who these other people were going to be. And, and uh, as, as people are arriving, one guy pops up on the screen. This guy, I have not, this guy was a friend of a friend of mine in college. Like, it's been 20 years since we've been in the same circles. I never met him, but I knew him. He was kind of a little bit of a mini celebrity in some of the circles he was in. And as soon as I saw his face on the Zoom call, the spirit said to me, go after him. He's in trouble. 
So we reconnected and chatted over the, you know, the Zoom call during the meeting and kind of, oh yeah, we know these people and we kind of knew of each other, that kind of thing. As soon as the meeting was over, I emailed him like, hey man, what's going on? I'd love to get together and reconnect. So we got lunch and for two and a half hours, he just poured out. Yeah, he was in a lot of trouble. He needed a lot of help. And I clumsily, as best I possibly could, came alongside him, met multiple times, just sort of helping him to put pieces together again. Sometimes in life, you get nudges. You get a sense. Philip gets a go. Sometimes you get an audible. Sometimes it's just a sense. I've got to go. I've had, a, I've had a handful of dreams that were definitely from the Lord, a handful of conversations, a handful of meetings that were definitely just God time, God events. And then I've had dreams or nudges or conversations I thought were opening things up that didn't. I've had things happen or go down that didn't go the way I thought they were based on the fact that I thought God had sort of opened this door or made this plan or made this really clear and it didn't turn out. So how do you know when the dreams, nudges, conversations are actually the Lord or they're just last night's lasagna? Or maybe just your wishful thinking? Well, I wanna invite you to take an active learning posture to discerning the voice of the Good Shepherd. Take an active learning posture to discerning the voice of the good shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So I want you to, I want you to grow in an active way, learning to discern the voice of the, of, of the good shepherd. Look at Jesus, read Jesus. If you get a prompting, does it sound like Jesus? In the Bible, he has a certain way of talking. There's ways he does, there's things he won't say, doesn't say. Does your prompting, your dream, does it, sense, does it sound like, does it feel like the voice of the good shepherd, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus? And if you get, if you get something that you think is from the Lord, I want to invite you to act on it. Like, act on it, but in humility, knowing that you could be wrong, I could be mistaken, I could be missing something. Anything that you're learning is going to take practice. You're learning a new language, you're going to fumble around. You're trying to learn to shoot free throws, you're going to miss a bunch of free throws. But the only way you get better at it is by practicing, stepping in, using the language, missing some shots, missing free throws. The only way you're going to grow in discerning the voice of Jesus is if you act when you hear the voice of Jesus. At least you think you do. And man, there's been some times, I mean, I, I, I told you about a few churches along the way that I'd throw my name in the hat for. There was one I had a dream about that I thought God was calling me to. I was like, God is, I didn't expect this. I wasn't asking for it, but I, I had a dream. I thought God was opening the door. I threw my name in the hat. I'm like, I can't believe God's doing this. And then he didn't. Totally shut. And I spent months, I mean months, and a little bit of a tailspin. God, I thought this is what you're doing. I didn't ask for this. It kind of came in this dream, and I was chasing it down, and it didn't happen. So I had to process that. I had to process that and process that. But here's the thing. You are responsible for following the voice of the good shepherd. The rest is up to the Lord, right? You're only responsible for following the voice of the good shepherd. And, and sometimes it, it does not guarantee any outcomes, right? You following Jesus does not guarantee everything turns up like dandelions and roses and bunnies and frou-frou because, listen, Jesus following the voice of his father led him to the cross, right? So you following the voice of the good shepherd doesn't mean that everything always turns out the way that you hoped or thought it would. You are responsible for following the voice of the good shepherd and the rest is up to the Lord and there's often a human element involved in this, right? There's often a human element involved in this and if, you're, if, you, if you don't know yet, humans are a little bit messy, a little bit unpredictable, Right? Except for you, you're not messy, you're beautiful and perfect, always rational. But humans, the human element means there's gonna be some wild cardness in this, right? Our job is to do the best we can as we get a sense of God's promptings, God's calling, God's nudges, to respond to those as faithfully as we can, and then we trust the Lord for outcomes and results. We're just cultivating, learning the voice of what the Good Shepherd sounds like.
Finally, fifth one. Small steps of wisdom and faith because sometimes our own steps of obedience come first. Sometimes you don't get green lights, red lights, nudges before you make a decision. You have to make a decision. And sometimes your steps of prayerful, running the numbers, calculating, wrestling with it as best you possibly can, that comes first. We started this building project in 2016. It did not open till Christmas Eve 2021. So many forks in the road and a few places God gave us bright green lights, we're following this path. And then a few places we're at forks in the road and there's no bright green lights. We're just having to pray a lot and make the best decision we possibly can. And then God in his grace was directing and redirecting us all along the way over the course of five years when we finally opened this place up. We're like, praise God, that's over. But also bless the Lord because he was faithful. Do you know when they launch a spacecraft into orbit, do you know where they burn most of the fuel? Getting it off the launch pad. Do you know what takes you the most amount of fuel to, to get you moving in the supernatural life? Getting you moving. Get off the launch pad. Move. Because one, this, once you break gravity, once you break gravity, you can redirect, right? You can course correct. Super small nudges. Doesn't take much. But if you're not willing to move, you're not going to be willing, you're not going to be able to enter into the supernatural life God made you for. So I want to invite you to be willing sometimes when there's not a clear sense of prompting or guidance from the Lord, take the small steps of faith, you know, small, as, as careful as you possibly can, as thoughtful and prayerfully as you possibly can, and see what the Lord might do. Today's wildly important take-homes are just the summary of the things we've been talking about. One, any place where God says go, where God says no, invitation to obedience that strengthens you in living supernaturally. Five ways to kind of experience that supernatural guidance, commands of scripture in general, word in season specifically, promptings, words, not just dreams, meetings, small steps of wisdom and faith. As we always do, uh, these wildly important take-homes are printed up in the back, but this week I especially want to highlight them. I want to invite you, we doubled up the number we printed off this week, I want to invite you to take one of these home and I want you to pray over these things. I want you to be open to these things. If you're online, I want you to pause right now and just write these things down and there's gonna be discussion questions at the end as well and those will be on the back. But I really want to invite everyone to consider how might the Lord want to meet you in 2023? And are you open to God's promptings, nudges, dreams, divine appointments? Are you open to the scriptures correcting and directing you? Are you open to a word in season? Are you willing to take steps of faith and see what God might do? My friends, all of us, all of us, all of us, we're just getting started on this whole like living supernaturally thing, right? Here are some small ways. This isn't a comprehensive list, but some starter ways where God might invite us into living the supernatural life. My prayer, my hope is that you and me and us together, we might be more and more open to what God is saying, how God is saying it, and may our story read that God gave us some direction, and may we respond, so we went into living supernatural life. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thanks so much for being patient with us as we learn the supernatural life. Thanks for being gracious to us in your invitation to living the supernatural life. And we ask now, Lord Jesus, that uh, you would make us more and more open to what your Spirit's doing to the ways you might guide us and direct us. Lord, my friends who are here who are wrestling right now with a go or a no, would you give them a sense of your invitation and a prompting to walk in that direction? Would they have the courage and strength to take those first steps? And Lord Jesus, my prayer for us as a church is that we would grow in our awakeness to the ways that you're guiding and directing and prompting us because every yes and every no, every go, every no is an invitation to live in the supernatural life. May our spirits rise up to meet your spirit and serve. May you be blessed in the work that happens here in our community as we continue to follow you into living supernaturally. We pray in Jesus' strong mighty name. Amen. Amen.